welcome back to Poldark Podcast, a fan cast about the Poldark saga created by us. My name is Rita, I tumble at Princess of Poldark, and I tweet at Rita Bites. And I'm Michelle, I live in the States, I tumbler at Poldark Muses, and tweet at Musings. Now, Delinda couldn't join us today because hashtag sisters helping sisters. Yes. Um, we miss you. As always, come back yeah. to us, Delinda. Please. Okay, so following the season three finale, we had a little break. We regained our will to live, and we're <laughs> now back and stronger than ever to do a season three overview podcast. Uh, we have collected your input, so we know we will get a wide range of views on what was the show's most divisive season to date. So we'll start with our discussion topics from our survey your favorite episode from season three and why. BPAC67 said episode eight. I think they got the balance pretty much right in terms of storylines. It contained more dialogue and scenes from the book, like the conversation between Ross and Elizabeth at the church. I liked the inclusion of the singing scene. Eleanor has a lovely voice. The words from the song were moving and on point, and I loved both Ross's and Hugh's reactions. Artsyat said, where they rescued Dwight, and the ending was heart-wrenching and a lovely send-off for Captain Henshaw. <laughs> R.I.P. Henshaw. Uh, Prairie Cheesehead said, it's a tie between episode four, when Clowance makes her entry into the world, and episode five, the one where they rescued Dwight. Those two episodes feel like series one or two episodes. Attorney MSB3 said, none, because I don't think we had one episode... <laughs> which Demelza and Ross were happy in their marriage throughout the entire episode. <laughs> true. Harsh, but true. Yeah. Um, my favorite was probably episode eight. Like, I really enjoyed the Emma and Sam scenes, and that really elevated the episode for me. And I was, like, pleasantly surprised, and not going to lie, a little shocked by the handling of the Ross-Elizabeth churchyard scene. It was, like, really nuanced and thoughtfully done which was unlike the rest of the scene. <laughs> um, I agree with you on the church scene. I, I, it is probably the, the most shocking uh, of the things that I wound up liking about the show um, because I hated it uh, <laughs> when I read it uh, and continued to hate it, um, although not as much. But I was really, really pleasantly surprised just like you by that scene um it's probably one of the scenes that i like and i think for me i have moments and elements uh from probably each episode that i liked but you know for me it takes more than an element or two to make a good episode so uh the favorite episode for me would be episode four uh, it seems like it's the only one where Ross and Demelza seem to be in a fairly good patch. You know, we've got family time with everyone engaged. Uh, the singing around the table at Christmas. Hello. Um, <laughs> the, the grain plot, which I thought was was really well done. Uh, the whole nine yards. So I think episode four for me is, is going to be my favorite. Okay. Now we're going to go on to your least favorite episodes from season three and why. Get a drink, people. <laughs> this is going to be significantly longer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Attorney MSB3 said, least favorite episode, 
was a tie between episode 3 and 9. Ross's first trip to France went on forever and with very little point. Although episode 9 had some fantastic scenes, the standoff between the soldiers and the rabble was ridiculous. <laughs> Word. Uh, Prairie yeah. Cheesehead said episode 7. I'm still not over Demelza screeching at Ross about <laughs> turning down the MP thing after he just found out that Aunt Agatha died. <laughs> Preach! Um, my eye really, it literally started to twitch during my rewatch when I got to that scene. It was just so, it 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 clanged for me. It was like, who is this woman uh, who is not utilizing any of her sensitivity or anything along those lines and marching after her husband and screeching about this MP thing? It was just so off. Um Let's see. Artsyat said, episode one, as it left me yearning for more. After leaving season two with a hope of reconciliation between Ross and Demelza, I never once felt a moment of true love between them. The snippets of warmth were so short and interspersed with moments of such poor communication, distance, and snarky comments. I hate to bring up the books, but the show got this so wrong. Uh, BPAC67 said, episode seven, the argument between Demelza and Ross at the beach. Demelza having a go at Ross about refusing an invitation to run as MP when he just heard about Aunt Agatha's death, followed by the sniping between the two of them. It reflected changes in the characters, particularly Demelza's and the Romelza storyline, that I felt were heavy-handed and didn't reflect the complexity contained in the books. So, as for me, it's still episode 5. It will always be episode 5, i.e. the one where Henshaw dies. R.I.P. Yeah. Henshaw. Yes. So, I had the unpleasant experience of rewatching the episode recently. I th- actually, yesterday, technically, because um, there's a commentary track on the DVDs. And even though uh. I swore I wouldn't watch the episode again, I couldn't resist. Um, <laughs> and... You know, even Aiden Turner joking about Drake jumping off that cliff couldn't get me to enjoy it. Like, that's <laughs> pretty bad. I want my DVD! Um, what was interesting and kind of vindicating to me was that one of the producers, I can't remember which one, I think it might have been Karen mentioned that Debbie wrestled with the inclusion of the nightmare rowing scene, i.e. <laughs> the least favourite thing on the planet. <laughs> I recoil every time I watch it. It's just so dramatic. Um, which kind of tells me she understood what I felt about it, that it was it felt incongruous to the episode, and yet she decided to go with it anyway. <laughs> I think I like the stills that I've seen floating about the interwebs from that sequence more than the actual sequence itself. Um, so, you know, you see some of the stills of kind of Aiden's uh, facial expressions as he's seeing each of those vignettes of Demelza with a dead um, uh, Drake, uh, Caroline with a dead uh, Dwight, uh, and you get these snippets of his facial expressions, and they're absolutely marvelous. Um, but, uh, yeah. It really works well in gift form, doesn't it? It's like made to be gift. <laughs> And, you know, and the fact that it's, this is, this actually takes place 
in the books, um, you know, except they're on the, the big ship heading back when it does. Um, and, you know, it may it remind better. me about the continuity of the boat, of the boats <laughs> and the rowing. And... Yeah, but it, it may have worked better in that context. But, um, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of silly. Uh, let's see. My least favorite uh, was episode three, uh, that ridiculous first trip to France, uh, because logic. Uh, it defied logic at every turn. Uh, and it was manipulated in such a way as to set up the whole Ross neglects Demelza thing uh, that sets the groundwork for her infidelity. You know, it's a lazy oversimplification of the complex decision making that went on into uh, her choice. But more on that later. Your favorite storyline as depicted across the series and why? So Artsyat said, favorite storyline should have been Dwight and Caroline, if it had been done right. Obviously, <laughs> it's the storyline that should have been allowed to breathe and develop. There is such a rich maturing of their story that was never given enough screen time, especially Caroline's point of view. Deepak67 says, uh, despite not being happy with the changes they made in the Demelza storyline, in particular Demelza's character, I love the snippets of dom domesticity and married life. For example, the scene with Demelza, Ross and Demelza in bed, where she lays her head on his shoulder and then pushes him out of bed when oh. there's a knock on the door. Oh my god, that was so that. perfect. That was so perfect. So cute. Prairie Cheesehead said, Dwight's imprisonment and rescue that had some of the best acting performances in it. You know, I still have mixed feelings about seeing Dwight's imprisonment on screen. Um, I And I get why they did it. Um, you know, A, to show some of the terrible, horrible things that Dwight went through so they could set up his return and the single episode of PTSD <laughs> issues, cough, and Ugh. B, to give Armitage's character uh, more of a backstory so he would be more multidimensional um, when he has the larger part later in the season. Uh, having spent valuable screen time building this backstory, I really wish they'd done more with Dwight's issues, um, had them remain a lingering challenge for him uh, rather than to resolve it in the space of one episode. Oh, for real. And it really felt like a drive-by past these issues. They really did the minimum amount of work. It's such a shame. Also something I learned on the commentary track, um, Luke Norris apparently lost a whole bunch of weight for this. I couldn't really mm -hmm. tell. The beard disguise did a lot for me. Um, yeah. And I was just like, uh, can you imagine what it's like to be Luke Norris when you put that much work into your physicality and then your role has been completely cut out of the season? Yeah. Yeah. Like he deserves better. It's maddening. It's maddening. So anyway, I think, you know, despite the fact that Valentine's storyline is a straight up clusterfuck, from episode seven onwards, it's probably the best depiction of a storyline on screen and the best adaptation because Jack Farthing's performance is just heart wrenching and probably the best of the season. Yeah, his performance uh, this season, and actually throughout the season, um, has been striking. And especially after uh, the end of episode seven uh, on onward, it he's been he's been breathtaking to watch. Breathtaking to watch. Uh, let's see. Your least favorite storyline is depicted across the series, and why? 
uh, BPAC actually picks up on uh, the point you were just making, uh, the parentage of Valentine, uh, making it obvious from the beginning it was Ross's with them showing Elizabeth not falling down the stairs but pretending to, uh, the baby having curls, etc. Um, I had no issue with the storyline in the latter part of the series. So we agree, BPAC. Woot. Yes. Um, Artsyat said, of course, my least favorite storyline is a toss-up between Too Much Moena and Drake and Too Much Moena and Whitworth. <laughs> Perichis has said, it's not a storyline, but characterization, and it affected a few storylines. I do not like how they chose to characterize Demelza this season. It does not work. I said it during the season, and I still stand by this. They took her good qualities and hid them somewhere. We almost saw them in episode 4 and 5, but then they were gone. <sighs> when she was supposed to be troubled and conflicted, I found that I didn't care anymore. It also bothered me that they had Demelza do things out of spite or impulsively when she was pissed off at Ross for something. Sorry, but that's what a snarky teenager does, not a grown woman. Preach! Uh, attorney MSB3 said, uh, first, Ross's relationship with Demelza was the most disappointing storyline this season. There was no recon real reconciliation. Until Ross apologizes to Demelza, he will stay on my shit list. Uh, Ross and Demelza's relationship was worse in season three than in two, uh, even with the one-nighter and the fallout after it. Uh, two, uh, Ross went from hero to reluctant leader of men and from trying to be a better husband to Demelza to being a jerk. I didn't buy the reluctant leader storyline because in season one, he led the villagers in salvaging the goods that washed ashore from the warlegged shipwreck so the villagers wouldn't starve. Two, uh, he stopped village men uh, from burning down Trenwith. Uh, Ross's realization that he had to be a leader during the villagers' confrontation with the soldiers this season seemed contrived for the sake of drama hashtag drama uh, his solution to solve the injustice and suffering of the miners by standing for parliament was just silly uh, clearly the guy has no clue about how legislative bodies work they don't <laughs> uh number three uh, also did not buy the leap from ross trying to be a good husband to being a jerk it seemed contrived to justify demelza's affair with you four i like Dislike the development of Demelza in season three. She did not seem strong so much as bitchy, angry, and brittle. We lost the sweetness and kindness that were the soul of her character in seasons one and two. Such a shame because Eleanor Tomlinson is a fantastic actress, but the character was given, uh, what the character was given to play was pretty much a hot mess. And five, oh, She's got a six, too. <laughs> but uh, five, the Hugh Melza relationship did not work because I never saw why they would be interested in each other. I did not see much chemistry between them. Demelza's infidelity with Hugh did not seem to be about revenge. To me, it seemed that finding out that Ross hid his meeting from Elizabeth from her cracked, her very fragile exterior, she found she could not trust Ross regardless of whether he was seeing Elizabeth or not. She gave up on Ross and her marriage. It was as if Hugh asked for sex. She knew it would make him happy. She was hurt and thought, why not? Hardly soul-gripping, heart-pounding stuff. And finally, the abundance of Drake and Morwenna. Big mistake. Huge. You know it's serious when you quote Julia Roberts, you know. <laughs>
they everyone was really eloquent and already stated all of my least favorite things so i'm going to mention one more thing that uh sam's character is supposed to be equal to drake's in terms of importance remember that yeah but not only did he get shafted in how he was written because he was basically a stereotypical bible thumper with no dimension but also in terms of screen time he barely got any lines and his entire storyline with emma one of the most compelling romances of the saga for me was reduced to basically a very tiny two episode arc and that's crazy compared to the endless drama of drake morwenna and i'm not pleased no no i i agree with you yeah i had a chance to to reread uh some of uh, force wands during our break and you know, you're absolutely right. Uh, Sam's character was so much fuller and well-rounded, and it's a shame that he became this, you know, Bible-quoting dude that appears every now and then, um, instead of having that the depth of of uh, characterization uh, that he should have had this season. Um, but uh, beyond that, uh, y'all have hit them all. Uh, but if I had to pick on it a little bit more, it would be the oversaturation of Drake and Morwenna. I mean, uh, we could have gotten the point of them being star-crossed lovers uh, very easily. We did. I don't think we needed to see all of the endless, uh, you know, wandering around on the beach, daydreaming and, and sighing and all of that stuff. I, we didn't need to see that to know that, you know, they were pining for one another. Um, But I will say something about the reluctant hero point that was raised by um, attorney MSB3. I don't think Ross has any issue leading the charge in things that he initiates. Uh, The salvaging on the beach, the riot at Trenwith, even though he didn't initiate it, he did wind up becoming the the leader of that. Uh, The grain purchase uh, scenario... even the rescue of Dwight from prison. Um, He does these things because he's trying to help the commoners, his friends, um, not for any lofty self-congratulatory reasonings. Um, And I think he chafes about it when other more powerful men laud his actions, shower him with compliments, and then try to jump on his coattails for their own purposes, uh, as both Bassett and Falmouth attempt to do. And for someone who sees the system for being as corrupt as it is to make a 180 degree turn and say, (laughs) I think I'll join Parliament. And then for Thali, of all people, to be proud of this decision just makes me shake my head. It makes no damn sense at all. If you're going to have him be a member of Parliament, you need to join the dots from his complete repulsion at the thought of it to his decision and not have it be in a fucking dream sequence (gasps) exactly exactly and uh, i think this is where they really um the the failure of having him discuss these things with demelza um that's where we we see this this failure because when he's Going through this decision-making in the books, um, he he has the opportunity 
to talk with Demelza about these these opportunities that arise for him. And by doing so, that starts to show why he's starting to make this change towards uh, be standing up for Parliament. Uh, instead, you know, we have this dream sequence thing take place, and then all of a sudden, I'm going to stand for Parliament. There's... I mean, I, I also think I if, if they can't make Ross have a complete 180 shift in morality, they can at least use the Ross is trying to run away from his problems excuse thing happen again, like they did last season. Like, just go, I think my wife cheated on me, so I'm going to become an MP. <laughs> That's also a really weird sentence to say out loud. <laughs> but, but, you know, hey, it would work. It would work anyway. better than a dream sequence. Yeah. So, uh, which storyline do you wish they'd allowed the chance to breathe and develop? Uh, Attorney MSP3 said, Caroline and Dwight, I think Horace may have had more screen time than they did. <laughs> well, you know, according to that one video that uh, was floated out by uh, official Poldark, you know, Horace it was a bit of a diva. So, may have been in his contract. Uh, Prairie Cheesehead said uh, the Hugh DeMelza storyline because there was so much context missing from the televised version. I know I need to learn to keep the books and the show separate, honey, <laughs> you and me both. Um, and I'm trying to learn how to do that. It's still tough, though. That story would have been better with some of the missing context and complexity from the novels. Without the context, it becomes another tired, flimsy, cliche-ridden story about a woman who cheats on her husband. There is little that sets it apart from all of the other tired, cliche-ridden stories about women who cheat on their husbands. Um, BPAC67 says uh, Dwight and Caroline's marriage, particularly the recovery from his PTSD and the impact it had on the initial period of their marriage. Caroline didn't even have a storyline to let breathe. Like, let's be no. real. They literally no. killed her off her one storyline in the first episode. But anyway, um, my answer to this question is everything. The entire show needed more time to allow for the huge fluctuations in emotions. Except Draco Moena, who weirdly got way too much time. A little less breathing with them. <laughs> Preach! Uh, hands up for Carolite as well. Uh, you know, their, their storyline was reduced to Segway fodder, and that was a damn, damn shame. I mean, it, it, and I really noticed that on my rewatch uh, for this season that, you know, every time, every time Caroline was on screen, you know, she was saying something about, you know, well, the, the Admiralty has it all in hand and then we would smash cut to France and Dwight's imprisonment. You know, it, 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 it was, it was, it was a damn shame. Damn shame. She literally spent the whole um, first part of the season staring at a fireplace longingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that one fireplace. Ugh. Anyway, which storyline do you wish they'd pulled the plug on life support machinery? Okay. BPAC67 said, I liked Morwenna and Drake's storyline in the books. But I felt too much time was spent on it in the series at the cost of other storylines and characters, particularly Dwight and Caroline. It dragged in the latter part of the series. 
Attorney MSB3 agrees. Dwight and Moana, dear God, sappy, sappy, sappy. Perichis had said, I don't have a storyline I wish they'd pull the plug on, but I'd rather have a do-over on all of season three and let them have the time they need to tell the stories in the way they deserve to be told. Will you marry me, Prairie Cheesehead? Um, personally, I just strongly believe that if you don't have room to do every plot point from the book, then you should frickin' edit it down and streamline story points. That episode with Ross in France for like six months, getting basically no pertinent information, should have been cut, in my opinion. It was a waste of episode. Either get more episodes, or be harsher about cutting shit out. Yes, be brutal with the edits and focus on the ones that move the story arc forward. I mean, I remember, I remember when, um, you know, going back to Harry Potter, for example, you know, when they were doing the edits for you know, Goblet of Fire and, you know, one of the criticisms that they received was, you know, cutting the whole uh, house elf, you know, rebellion you know that whole house elf storyline and you know people were saying how can you do that blah 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 and i was like there are other things that are more important to move the story along and that's a massive book to try and adapt into a a single movie so you know you have to be unforgiving when you are editing um original material into one of these television or film adaptations and honestly i don't know what in the hell they did to try and and streamline this down i don't think they did anything they just watered everything down (sighs) so next question how does series three compare to the rest of the poldark saga prairie head prairie cheesehead said in my opinion it lacks what season one and even season two had time Season 3 felt too rushed. I'm still bitter about how Demelza was characterized on the show, too. Uh, BPEC67 said, The weakest and my least favorite. They tried to fit too much into it. It didn't give all the characters or storylines time to breathe, and the deviations from the books were significant. On the whole, did not enhance or strengthen the story. Artsyat said, Season 3 compares to Season 1 and 2 like apples compared to lemons. <laughs> Still the same show, but a bit too sour for me. Nice. That's a great analogy. (laughs) Ironically, um, it was one of my favorite parts of the book saga, and my least favorite season, and the fact that such great storylines can be mangled like this brings me angsty, cliffside brooding levels of sadness. (laughs) Yeah, it was a disappointment for me as well. Uh, Simple as that. I'll probably watch it once more as soon as I get my goddamn DVD. Um, and it should be here sometime in the next uh, couple days. Um, and then put it on the shelf. Although I will probably watch it when it airs on Masterpiece just to see what they wind up cutting out. <laughs> my vote is for all of Drake and Moana standing on a beach. Oh, snap. Snap, snap, snap. Let's see, what are you looking forward to in Series 4? Prairie Cheesehead said, I have a list of things I'd like to see, but in the end, I'm not sure it's worth posting them. I'm afraid I'll get my hopes up about any storyline from the Angry Tide being in the show, 
I'm just going to be setting myself up for some serious disappointment. Angry Tide is my favorite of the Poldark novels. Mine as well. Attorney MSB3 said, I hope we get a real reconciliation between Ross and Demelza and some happy moments between them. I would also like to see a return to season one and two Demelza. BPAC67 says, I'm hoping we get some good Romelza. And she had a spoiler in here, uh, but suffice it to say, there are some awesome opportunities uh, for really great uh, Romelza scenes uh, in Angry Tide. Uh, she also says she hopes to see a multi-layered Demelza and a greater balance of the storyline characters. More Dwight Caroline, less Drake, more Wena. Artsyat said in season four, I'd like to see them resolve the relationship issues between Ross and Demelza so that it slightly resembles the source material. Jesus, it's hard for any audience to believe in a marriage that never seems to visually show us their real trust, love, respect, and honesty. Okay. Well, knowing the events of the books and how this show tends to handle them, I don't hold out much hope on the Ross and Demelza front. Lol. Um, so basically, when I wish for things like um, good production values when they journey to London, um, that Sam and Caroline get actual storylines and screen time, and that Demelza isn't made into a nagging wife stereotype again, and that George gets a little bit of happiness for a little while because the world is a more peaceful place when he isn't like furious at it. Uh, what are you most concerned about in series four? BPAC67 said that they will repeat the same mistakes in series of series three, trying to fit too much into episodes and character storylines uh, suffering and not presenting multi-layered characters and storylines. Oh, I'm not holding my breath. Artsyat said, I'm worried that in season four we'll get more of the tiny snippets of a million storylines chopped together. I fear that we'll never cohesively see the building of the beautiful story of a true marriage overcoming obstacles and triumphing. Uh, Prairie Cheesehead has a bit of a list here. So, uh, first, uh, that they'll try to cram too much material into eight episodes and pander to the masses. Maybe I'm spoiled by the fact that Masterpiece and PBS are more of a niche thing in the U.S. and geared towards a specific audience, but I expect more in the way of continuity and storytelling from something that will air on PBS, even if PBS isn't the creator of the content. Well, they do pay for half of it, so... Yeah! Yeah. Uh, number two, that they won't fix how they characterize Demelza in the next series. Ross and Demelza are supposed to get their shit together and finally overcome all of the hurt from the dumb crap they did to each other over the past few seasons. But if Debbie insists that Demelza has to be modern and feminist and do impulsive things out of spite because she's pissed off at Ross, I can't see this reconciliation happening in a believable way on TV. Third, Ross won't be allowed to be hurt, angry, or any of those other emotions people feel when they are betrayed because society has a problem with men having feelings and being allowed to express them which in my opinion is extremely sexist. I'm not saying that he needs to start breaking crockery and being snarky, but I think we need to see how Demelza's betrayal has hurt him. Four, that they'll find some way to work in another riot in the season four finale. <laughs> oh, you know they will. Of course they will. Of course they will. That should be oh. part of our book club. We should try and work out how they're going to fit a riot in yes. the novels. Yes. <laughs> um, I 
like that idea. Attorney MSB3 said, some overly dramatic scenes involving Hugh and Elizabeth. Do not want to give any spoilers. Thank you for that. And the continued torture of Ross and Demelza's marriage. Why can we never have nice things in this show? Okay, this is just me. Um, everything about Elizabeth worries me. I feel like I say this every season, but there is just so much potential for this to be another whitewashing, um, just another time for Elizabeth to be completely excused for all of her actions. I want Elizabeth to actually be given the agency to make her own decisions this time and accept the consequences without it becoming another victimising Taylor Swift shit. But hashtag no spoilers, because we yes. can't play that way. No. Uh, there are some terrific opportunities for all of these actors to give some of the performances of them of their lives. And I say, let them, for fuck's sake. Give them that chance. Let Gabriella Wilde do some acting instead of just oh standing there in a pretty dress. Yes, thank you. Okay. Uh, any other observations you wish to share? Uh, attorney, attorney MSB3 said, I still love the show, but I think the characters and storylines would have been better and made more sense if the writer had stayed closer to the books. Prairie Cheesehead said, I'm hoping that the toe-sucking scene will be cut out of the PBS broadcast because I'd rather watch Darlene Shively tell us all how much she loves great drama and that's why she gives a boatload of money to PBS, a masterpiece, at both the beginning of the end of the episode then to see Osborne, quote, insatiable sex hippo, Whitworth, with his prostitute's toes in his mouth. <laughs> oh, God, me too. And, and bring on the Viking River Cruise ads, please. I love those adverts. <laughs> Anything to get that scene cut from the show. That, that would be awesome. I would take five centuries of him sucking on the toe never to have to watch Drake and Morwenna um, give each other stuff and then hide behind objects. Oh my god. <laughs> that happened so much. They were just like staring at each other from a space of like six foot. Like just go talk to each other. Stop this madness. That That's saying a lot because that toe thing was really Pretty disgusting. Yeah, re That was revolting. <laughs> Um, BPAC67 said, I wish they had focused only on one book in Series 3, The Black Moon, and in Series 4 they were covering The Force Ones. I'm concerned only having eight episodes in Series 4 is not going to do justice to the remainder of The Force Ones and all of the angry tide. You and me both, sister. Yeah, that's my biggest fear. That's my biggest fear. And there's not a whole lot we can do about it. Except just strap in. <laughs> strap in exactly uh artsy at said many people have stated they love the birth of clarence scene really really it was so unrealistic so hokey almost demelza looked like she'd just come in from a walk in the sunshine sure she and ross looked happy but not one touch no kiss no closeness or interaction between two people who are supposed to be in love Compared with the birth of Julia, this scene was a big disappointment. Yeah. Um, plus, if you're using dolls for babies in a show, which they often do, why not get one that's the look and size of an actual newborn? 
I tried to describe the season recently to a friend the other and I just couldn't because so much happened in an episode and yet so very little of it ends up affecting the narrative drive and focus of the show. What were the themes of this season? What was it about? Because I have no fucking clue because it feels like things like like class struggle or the French Revolution or the patriarchal system that treated women as chattel, like all of these things were just like lightly brushed aside in favour of creating more drama uh, that was quickly resolved at the end of the episode and what we got was a whole lot of nothing. Or if it wasn't quickly resolved, it was allowed to linger on and on and on and on and on and on. Might you be referring to Drake and Moena? <laughs> yeah. Could be. Maybe. A little bit. Okay, so we are now at messages. So these all come from our ask box. Um, Attorney MSB3 uh, said, Why would or should Demelza believe or trust Ross? He has openly infatuated, or he was openly infatuated with Elizabeth during season one. Demelza knows he's flirting with her in season two, episode three was openly solicitous to her and her to him after Francis's death, gave a great deal of money to Elizabeth when his own family was in financial crisis without telling Demelza, had an affair with her, although I don't call a single night an affair, but I know that, that that's what you're referring to. It was like an emotional affair. He had an emotional affair, absolutely. But, you know, does one night make a, a physical affair? Nah. Eh. Not personally, anyway. but you know. No, no. Um, and there's a 50-50 chance that he's Valentine's father. Uh, in season three. <laughs> <laughs> that's an 100% chance. Come yeah, on. According to the show, it's basically 100%. Um, in season three, he meets Elizabeth, kisses her, does not tell Demelza, regardless of his reason, although his reason in the books was really pretty valid um from demelza's pov why should she believe anything he says about elizabeth now she would be a fool if she did yet i don't feel very sorry for her because show demelza has been empowered but she lost her sweet and kind nature maybe understandably so given what she's been through what do you all think and how in the world will the writer resolve this in series four rita uh, any thoughts you know I felt really bad for Demelza at the end of season two, like, because of Ross had been, like, such a complete and total jackass. And he didn't really grovel enough, in my opinion. But now I'm also a bit, like, meh about it, because this version of Demelza on the show seems pretty headstrong and determined. And if she wants to leave him, she totally could have. And really should have if she's gonna, like, hold that resentment. Um... I go on and on about Elizabeth needing to take ownership of her decisions and not being so much of a victim. And Demelza is in the same boat here. She's stuck with the dumbass when he cheated, so now she has to deal with all of this baggage and bullshit. Those are the rules, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And only speaking of the show's version of this couple of numbskulls, uh, Demelza... Uh, because she's A, been waiting for him to say the magic words, and yet B, continues to bring up Elizabeth and Valentine over and over and over again, like salt in a wound. Why? 
in an effort for Ross to finally say, I want none of this. I love you. I'm sorry. What more do I need to do in order for you to shut the fuck up about them? Um, and now that she's gone off and boinked Armitage, when she returns home, does Ross scream and rage and punch her in the face? Not that I wanted that to happen at all. I want to make that very, 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 very clear. I didn't want her to have done that to him, for fuck's sake, because, hello, double standard. Uh, nope. He gives her a hug. So now they're stuck in the same boat. All I have to say is bon voyage to the two of you, to be honest. It's like I said, they deserve each other in this, like, miserable way. Oh, we're in such a happy place. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Okay, so Anonymous said, Hi. Hello. Uh, do you think when we see season four, it will be like the start of season three, where they're partially reconciled and all shoved under the carpet? Hope not. I want to see them talk it through and explain themselves and what they want out of life. Am I hoping for too much? I know Josh Whitehouse is in the first three episodes, or he has read the first three scripts. What the fuck? I want him gone. Also, I want Drake and Morwenna to jump off a fucking cliff. Preach! Uh, Dwight and Caroline have been ignored. We needed to see their plight. Uh, it's going to be a cluster. <laughs> I mean, they can't start off with uh, series four with everything being all hunky-dory between Ross and Demelza. I mean, how could they? She's just come home after shagging another man, who is, of course, still in the picture. You know, as you just said, he's in the first three episodes. Um, meanwhile, Ross has had this epiphany and is planning to bail on this simple Cornish squire life to go be an MP in London. Having them talk through all of this like rational people would be a 180 degree for this adaptation because they don't talk. But... They are fond of doing these 180-degree turnarounds, so you never know. You never know. <laughs> Looking at the, the previous episode to try and predict what's happening in the next is just a bad idea. Um, You know what will fix everything, though? How about another time jump? Oh, yes! yeah! Because hashtag product time. I think he'll suddenly be very blind in the first episode of season four. I feel it in my bones. Like, I just know this is the way they're going. <laughs> Another anonymous asked, they should they should have pulled the plug on Hugh Armitage, changed his story. That way we could have had Romelza and quotes and steamy scenes. We could still have had drama, could still have had Hugh after her, but Ross, stop it. Fight for her and prove his love. <laughs> That's all she wanted. She wanted him to be jealous, and he never did a thing. That made her doubt how much he cared about her. Ross drove her to Hugh in a way and kept telling her to find another man. Well, you know, as much as my heart breaks over Demelza's infatuation and infidelity with Armitage, and as annoyed as I have been over many of the changes made for this adaptation, to change the storyline as dramatically as you have suggested would be a bridge too far. <laughs> I mean, it, that, yeah, you know, when I first read the book, I was desperate for Ross to step in and clock Hugh upside the head for sniffing around Demelza. The adaptation has overly simplified Demelza's true reasons for going off with Hugh, and in my opinion, have left things in a precarious place for series four. 
But I'm not speculating about how they're going to carry forward with Series 4. I'll, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Um, and I've spoken about the whole find another man bullshit. Demelza misinterprets it to mean she's, he's speaking about their relationship. He is not. He is speaking about the whole you should rise up and be great Ross thing she keeps tossing at his head. Humph. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see. Amanda Poldark. Why does the podcast insist on trashing Hugh Armitage with no attempts to be fair or objective in the series and book analysis? The simplistic, quote, adultery is bad, end quote, and personal life situations being projected throughout your analysis of this season are getting in the way of even-handled analysis. The professional journalists who reviewed series three had no problem separating personal opinions on this issue from objectivity. Rita, <laughs> when did you become a professional journalist? I mean, I know I sure as hell am not one, and I've never claimed to be a professional journalist. As we say at the top of each episode, this is a podcast created by Poldark fans. You know, we offer our opinions about the books and the shows, and opinions are not required to be impartial. I wrote an article for my school paper once when I was like seven, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure that means I'm a journalist for life now. So get me that press pass. Woo! <laughs> um, does working on yearbook count? <laughs> uh, because, you know, if so, hashtag press pass for me too. Look, uh, regardless of how I feel about a, the issue of adultery or my personal experiences with infidelity, and weirdly enough, I can say being obsessed with this series has done wonders for helping me deal with my thoughts and attitudes about both. I mean, I, I no longer feel like I'm going to throw up whenever, you know, I think about what these idiots have done to one another. It's like a version therapy. You just have to think about it so much. There we go. You know, now, <laughs> um, let's see. I can objectively say that Hugh Armitage was a scoundrel, a man without integrity, for aggressively pursuing the wife of the man responsible for saving his life. Seriously, strip away the story, the characters that we love and we hate, and look at what this man does and what do we have. We have a person pursuing the life partner of the person responsible for saving their lives. Now, does that sound familiar? Because it should. <laughs> because it's the exact same situation that happened in series two with Elizabeth playing that role. Yeah, I said it. A person pursuing the life partner of the person responsible for saving their lives. It would be kind of hypocritical if we went in on Elizabeth and then we're like, oh no, he was so pretty. Let's never criticize him of anything. That's not how feminism works. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the decision made by the showrunners to drastically simplify the extremely complex situation leading to Demelza's choice in encouraging this pursuit, because I refuse to see her as some hapless victim of Armitage's dubious moral fiber, because to do so would strip all agency from her, um, has done this issue no favors. Um, I will never see a person like Armitage in a positive life, 
because I have zero respect for someone who acts as he has done. You are, of course, free to have your opinions about Armitage, however and in whatever form you wish. And I am free to think of him as a very pretty, pretty douchebag with a gully ass horse. And see, you just kind of ruined my whole objectivity. <laughs> no. Speech. <laughs> I want people to understand. <laughs> I am not a journalist. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's true enough. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> uh, we have another anonymous. Um, do you think Debbie Horsfield was taking a risk in series three with the avid book readers still liking the show? She gambled that the wider audience perhaps would be satisfied. Show knows Ross and Demelza are the main two and we'd love them to be together and happy. She knew the Romelza fans would be upset. I bet they had brilliant viewing figures, so it paid off but they need to promote good next year and do a Q&A to explain why she made those changes and how she really wanted it to come across to us, the viewer. Excellent question, Anon. And as for the ratings, this morning I did something I hate doing. Maths. Yep. I worked out the average viewing figures for each season to compare them. Like, I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> I love this... you. English major was so scared. So now um, season one started out very strongly with a high of almost 10 million viewers for its pilot, um, but it actually averaged about 8.1 million viewers. So 18 months later for season two, the show averaged 6.9 million viewers. And this season, season three, the show averaged 6.7 million. So that's a drop off of around 300,000 viewers, which for the record, I don't think had much to do with the writing of the show or anything. It's just a very normal drop-off in viewership that you would expect in any show deep in the third season. But I think it's kind of disproves the idea that the show is trying to cater to some kind of larger primetime audience that the book fans just don't get, because it's basically just retaining the viewership it's always had. And A, the viewing figures don't support this claim. And B, I know so many number readers disappointed with this season. So, like, how do we explain that? Yeah. How? Yeah. You know, um, one question for you. Are these are UK viewing figures? Only? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. I have no, I have idea, no idea what, what the PBS view is doing. Yeah. yeah, me neither. Me neither. And, you know, uh, I wouldn't have gone near this. Uh, so kudos on the whole math thing, Rita. Thank uh, you. Because I'm hashtag, I'm afeard of math. Same. <laughs> <laughs> so well done. Well done you. Did have to Google how to work out an average, but that's okay. Thank you, Google. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we have a really, really exciting announcement. Yes! Uh, this autumn, uh, two of the Poldark Podcast girls are heading to Cornwall. Oh, yay! <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Michelle and Rita are heading over to spend a few days with Karen from poldarkscornwall.com to see the sights, sample the local food, uh, pasties and cakey tea, anyone? 
and learn more about the area that so inspired Winston Graham to write this amazing saga. We have an Instagram account set up for us to post photos while we're running around, and we will do a podcast while we're there to share some of the things we're seeing and doing. And at last, some of us will be in the same time zone. Yes, because Delonda can't come with us. But we'll be closer in time zones than we have ever been. So <laughs> She'll really be excited about that. the future. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, we'll have more details about the journey as we get closer to the date. We are a bit excited. A little, a little bit. I've suddenly yeah. become really giddy. <laughs> so more to come. <sighs> now that is it from us in this week's podcast. But fear not, we will return next week. For a very special podcast because guess what Poldark Podcast is one year old next week <laughs> to celebrate we're doing a free for all round of Q&A's yep you can ask us anything as long as it's not creepy I'm not telling you what I'm wearing no you <laughs> <laughs> You can ask us spoilery questions. Yes, we will delve into spoilers for you. Um, yes. What shows to watch? Uh, which fix to read? We are literally a fountain of useless information. So please get these <laughs> questions in before Sunday. Um, either on Twitter at Podduck Podcast or on our Tumblr ask box at podduckpodcast.tumblr.com. We cannot wait to see what you have in store for us. I'm a little <laughs> bit afraid. Yeah. But until next time, bye. Bye!
touch me, baby, tame the love. 